Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Breaking with his advisors. The president accuses the country's top infectious disease expert of playing all sides. What the president just said about Dr. Anthony Fauci and why he says schools should reopen in the fall despite concerns from his own coronavirus task force. The urgent new warning about that mysterious illness killing children. With more cases reported nationwide, parents are on edge. This is uh, truly disturbing. What we're learning tonight about its connection to coronavirus and the new alert for doctors that the CDC is getting ready to send. Unprecedented fatalities. The dire new prediction from the former head of the agency leading the government's vaccine development program. Why Dr. Rick Bright says the pandemic could get far worse. Is the U.S. heading for what he calls the darkest winter in modern history? Lasting damage. The head of the Federal Reserve sounds the alarm. His warning about what could happen to America's economy if lawmakers don't do more. Safety in the skies. With passengers and profits vanishing, new moves tonight by the country's major airlines. How they plan to convince people to fly again. And finding a friend when you're all alone. Why so many of us are getting pets to help us through the pandemic. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thanks so much for joining us. Nora's on assignment. I'm Margaret Brennan. We're going to begin tonight at the White House, where the president is accusing the country's leading infectious disease expert of, quote, playing all sides of the equation about reopening the economy. President Trump's rare rebuke of Dr. Anthony Fauci comes after the country's top public health leaders told Congress they are concerned about a spike in infections if states loosen restrictions too quickly. Today, we learned cases are spiking in about half of the country, even as more states move to reopen beaches and businesses. As we come on the air tonight, 
Nearly 84,000 people have died from COVID-19 in the U.S. And confirmed cases nationwide are moving closer to 1.4 million. Tonight, there's also a stark new warning from the head of the Federal Reserve. Jerome Powell, the country's central banker, says the U.S. economy could face lasting damage if Congress doesn't pass additional stimulus. There's a lot to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is covering it all. CBS's Paula Reed leads off our coverage from the White House. Paula? Margaret Chairman Powell also said that the speed and the scope of this downturn is without modern precedent and significantly worse than any recession since World War II. And President Trump continues to push to get America back to work, even over objections from his own medical experts. President Trump's push to reopen the country has repeatedly been questioned by his own health experts, and tonight he pushed back. We're opening our country. People want it open. The schools are going to be open. The president took issue with Dr. Anthony Fauci's warning Tuesday that there could be a resurgence of the virus and schools could be in danger. Look, he wants to play all sides of the equation. I was surprised by his answer, actually. Meanwhile, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell warned of permanent damage to the economy if Congress doesn't pass additional stimulus. The scope and speed of this downturn are without modern precedent, significantly worse than any recession since World War II. The president wants businesses to reopen and shoppers back in stores to boost the economy and help his chances of re-election. But top health experts on Capitol Hill said the testing necessary to achieve that safely is currently insufficient. The U.S. needs more than 900,000 tests every day to safely open up again. We're doing about a third of that. The White House relies on the Abbott Quick Test for its staff. A new study out today showed that it missed 48 percent of positives, though Abbott disputed that finding. The heads of the CDC and FDA, who were exposed last week to a positive staffer, were pulled out of quarantine today for an in-person task force meeting with the vice president, who was seen wearing a mask when he arrived to work. With the death count over 83,000, CBS News has learned that President Trump has expressed skepticism about that figure, but his top medical expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said deaths are likely undercounted. The number is likely higher. I, I don't know exactly what percent right. higher, but almost certainly it's higher. Tomorrow on Capitol Hill, Rick Bright, the administration's former top vaccine researcher who is pushed out of his position, will testify that if the response is not ramped up, 2020 will be the darkest winter in modern history. Paula, wow. Um, I want to also ask you about what the acting director of national intelligence did today when he released a list of officials who asked to know the identity of Michael Flynn, then incoming national security advisor, when his name appeared in classified reports back in 2016. What is the significance? Well, Margaret, unmasking is when a senior government official requests to know the identity of a U.S. citizen in an intelligence report. It's something that happens thousands of times a year. Now, on this list of approximately three dozen officials is vice, former Vice President Joe Biden. And administration officials here at the Trump White House, they're suggesting that Flynn was targeted in an effort to undermine President Trump. But Democrats have pushed back on this and insisted that, in fact, this list illustrates how widespread the concern was about Flynn's activities and that all the appropriate laws were followed. Six months from the election. Paula Reed, thank you. 
Tonight, CBS News has learned the CDC is preparing to issue an alert to doctors nationwide about a mysterious new illness tied to coronavirus. More than 180 cases have now been reported in 17 states and Washington, D.C., and there are concerns there may be more that have not been diagnosed. CBS's Jerika Duncan is in New York, where three children have died from the disease. Jerika? Well, Margaret, health officials here in New York say that the number of children affected by this rare illness has now nearly doubled in one week. Today, the governor of New York expressed alarm at the growing cases of the mystery inflammatory illness in children. To have a child, we thought that children were not especially affected by the virus. Uh, to now find out that they might be, and it might be several weeks later, this is uh, truly disturbing. Of the 102 cases of this illness, the governor said nearly three-quarters of them were admitted to the ICU. At least 17 states in the District of Columbia are now reporting cases of children impacted by this illness, which is similar to Kawasaki disease and believed to be related to COVID-19. Symptoms include fever, rash, abdominal pain, and vomiting. Dr. Stephen Kearney is chief of pediatric critical care at a hospital in New York. He's seen over 30 children with this mysterious illness. Is this another example of how much we really don't still know about COVID-19? Three weeks ago, I would have told anybody who listened that this just doesn't affect kids. Eight-year-old Jaden Hardawar seemed fine after recovering from a fever when he suddenly went into cardiac arrest. His 15-year-old brother, Tyron, a Boy Scout, performed CPR. He already started to um, administer CPR, pumping the chest, which is, um, he was fast. Jaden was taken to the hospital and immediately placed on a ventilator. Next few days, his heart came back. He spent 13 days in the hospital. Yesterday, he returned home. And today, he had his first visitors, the firefighters who helped oh, man, save his life. Coming back. Got it. Right. Doctors say it's important to note that even as we've seen more of these cases in the last week, most of these inflammatory syndrome cases, uh, Margaret, are treatable. Thank God for that. Jerika, thank you. Tonight, nearly every state is taking steps to ease stay-at-home restrictions, even as cases in half of the country are rising. Today, the mayor of D.C. took the rare step of extending her order until June, while on the West Coast, California moved to open one of its most popular attractions. Here's CBS's Jamie Yukis. Los Angeles is riding the wave of reopening. Today, the beach is open, so long as you kept moving. Sunbathers not allowed. California is seeing an increase of 17% in new two-week average of new COVID cases, but rural counties are the exception. <laughs> Restaurants are reopening. This one in El Dorado Hills, north of Sacramento. You feel amazing. <laughs> I feel freedom. It does feel good to be out and have a sense of community. That longing for normalcy is also at work in Arizona, where testing is on the rise, and so are infection rates, up 60%, even as more businesses reopen. A growing number not ready. These are restaurants and shops signing an online petition called Too Soon Arizona. They say lifting orders now will cause an acceleration in cases and unnecessary deaths. The push to reopen, the pull of not going too far. 
Thursday in Michigan, a group plans to protest that governor's stay-at-home order. Last month, a group showed up armed at the state capitol. Today, Governor Gretchen Whitmer sounded a warning. What we're doing is working, so these protests, they do undermine the effort. Iowa has seen a 67% rise in daily COVID cases. COVID-19, it's here to stay for a while. Even so, Iowa's governor announced that restaurants, salons, and gyms will reopen. Gym owner Jason Bailey. The Constitution says that we have unalienable rights. That If we're putting anybody in harm, we're not putting anybody in harm that didn't volunteer to do so. Even though the beach here in Santa Monica is now open, another Los Angeles icon, the Hollywood Bowl, will cancel its summer season for the first time in 98 years. Wars and the Great Depression couldn't keep it silenced until this pandemic. Margaret. Jamie Ukas, thank you. Today, a group of lawmakers called on airlines to offer cash refunds, not just travel vouchers, to customers who canceled flights during the pandemic. This comes as carriers are forced to balance passenger safety with their own financial survival. Here's CBS's Chris Van Cleve. Fear and frustration from flyers over what they see as overly crowded flights. This one from San Juan to Miami left Puerto Rico this morning with 145 passengers. The airline says it blocked 27 seats. Packed flights are the exception. The vast majority look more like this. Domestic flights averaging just 31 passengers. Can people safely social distance on an airplane? Is that a realistic expectation? That's why we're asking all of our customers to uh, wear masks uh, because you know when you're in an airline seat even if you're keeping the middle seat free you're not uh, going to be six feet away from someone. JetBlue CEO Robin Hayes his airline is blocking up to 40 percent of seats all U.S. carriers are requiring masks. We've really had uh, no issues with uh, getting our customers to uh, comply it's it's really the new flying etiquette. And what happens if somebody refuses to wear a mask? If customers will not wear a mask we will not board them on the flight. And what if on the plane I decide I'm not going to wear my mask? If a customer uh, does not uh, wear a mask, um, then uh, it's, it's someone that we would not permit to fly on JetBlue again. While the number of passengers has roughly doubled since the low point last month, travel remains down 92% from last year, and U.S. airlines are losing up to $7 billion a month. Do you think all the U.S. airlines will survive this downturn? We have a massive threat to our industry. We are now entering uh, the third month of effectively uh, zero revenue. We have a new challenge ahead of us, which is in, in the era of COVID-19, how do we get people comfortable that flying is, is safe? And to that end, all of the airlines are now calling on the TSA to immediately start doing temperature checks of passengers. There is no federal standard for how you social distance on a plane, so each airline has a different policy. It can be confusing, but keep in mind, even if you block every middle seat on a 737, you could still have more than 100 passengers on board. Margaret. Chris Van Cleve, thank you. Tonight, the FBI and federal cybersecurity agents are warning that hackers linked to the Chinese government are trying to steal research on coronavirus vaccines and therapies. The FBI says the potential theft could jeopardize the treatment of patients here in the U.S. Here's CBS Chief Justice and Homeland Security correspondent Jeff Begays. While the coronavirus was sweeping across parts of China in January, U.S. officials say Chinese hackers were already focused on the United States, trying to steal research from universities and pharmaceutical companies that were working on a cure. John Demers is the assistant attorney general for national security. The Chinese for years 
have targeted biomedical research, and there's nothing more important than COVID-19 research right now in that field. The hacking charges ratcheted up tensions over the virus between the U.S. and China. Well, should have been stopped at the source, which was China. But it's not just China. Iran is also on the attack. Researchers at the cybersecurity company Recorded Future say the Iranian state targeted an executive at Gilead Sciences, the manufacturer of the promising coronavirus treatment drug Remdesivir. But Demers said China is desperate to be first with a vaccine. You call this a holy grail of, of information that these uh, foreign actors are going after. There's nothing more important right now than these treatments. And perhaps most significantly for China, for geopolitical value, to be able to say that they were the first to develop a vaccine. Tonight, in a statement, Chinese officials said the accusations were without evidence. But U.S. officials say anyone working on a vaccine should be on hyper alert. Margaret. Jeff Begays, thank you. Tonight, we're getting a sense of how quickly the coronavirus can spread from just one infected person. A new report by the National Academy of Sciences says one minute of loud speaking can generate a thousand virus-containing droplets that can stay airborne for at least eight minutes. CBS's Jonathan Bigliotti on how that's led to large clusters of new cases. Tonight, the hunt is on for as many as 10,000 people to contain a surge in COVID-19 cases linked to this nightclub in Seoul, South Korea. More than 100 have tested positive so far. We are worried about because it's really close to us. The cluster is called a super spread, and it's also unfolding in the U.S. as more people violate social distancing orders. Epidemiologist Zhou Fang Zhang. Are you concerned about super spreaders? Yes, of course. In Washington state, a local nonprofit choir had 53 members infected after a rehearsal in early February. The CDC reported their singing in a close practice setting like this one increased transmission. At least 99 infections across six states were traced to a February medical conference in Boston. And in Chicago, one COVID-positive man is linked to 15 infections and three deaths after attending a family dinner, a funeral, and a birthday party. The key will be expanding the ability to trace everyone an infected person may have exposed. As soon as we identify the close contacts, then we can, you know, get those people isolated, then can stop the transmission. And to help trace future outbreaks, some states are actually requesting restaurants keep a log of their customers, including cell phone numbers and their email addresses. Some restaurants, as you can imagine, are resisting because of what they call privacy concerns. Margaret. Jonathan, thank you. With so many of us stuck at home, it's easy to understand why people are looking for a friend. CBS's Chip Reed may have found the answer. There's an old saying that if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. And that's never been more true than it is today, when we're all trying to keep our distance from other people. <laughs> Katie Campbell Morrison recently adopted Marmaduke. He's a great cuddler. That's a big cuddler. Yeah, he really loves to cuddle, but he sometimes doesn't quite realize exactly how large he is. <laughs> he even helps her exercise. She returns the favor with long walks where he shows off his patience. 
She adopted Marmaduke from the Humane Rescue Alliance in Washington, where the crates for dogs and cats are empty, as they are in many shelters across the nation. Lisa LaFontaine, the Alliance's CEO, says this is a turning point. Because I think more and more animals will be sheltered in people's homes, and that will allow us to turn our resources to more programs that keep animals from becoming homeless in the first place. It's just really warm and comforting to have that contact that I feel like so many of us are missing now. The warmth and comfort of pets helping us get through this together. Chip Reed, CBS News, Washington. And you get to rescue a life, too. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, how doctors are combining drugs to give patients the best chance of survival. And if you can't watch live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington. I'll see you Sunday on Face the Nation. And Nora will see you back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Spoiler alert, it's neither. At Happy Egg, we believe happiness of the hens is what actually came first, because without happy hens, there would be no such thing as happy eggs. You know, eggs with delicious orange yolks. Those come from hens who are raised the happy way on eight-plus acres of family-owned farms. Choose happy at happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg.